Welcome to episode number three of the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is the first part of a three-part series that is making up episodes number three, number four, and number five. I am talking to Paige in Los Angeles, California, all about green beauty. In today's episode, the simple action that I think you can take after listening is to go to skincharisma.com and look up your favorite products in the cosmetics analyzer. So why should we care about green beauty? Well, not every product is safe. You probably already know this, but it sometimes can be difficult to figure out what is safe for our bodies, what's safe for the earth, what's safe for animals. And Skin Charisma really does a great job of pulling in the EWG scale that Paige talks about in the episode today as well as some other tools to help you figure out what products work for you personally. And it's just such a great resource. So to get a full set of today's show notes, go to fouranimalsforearth.com slash podcast slash three. Hi there, this is Brandy, and you're listening to the Four Animals for Earth podcast. This is a space where we inspire each other to take small steps every day to live a more conscious life, helping animals and the planet while we do it. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's all take a deep breath and let's get started. Until you have your philosophy down, you cannot really. Is it a good product or not? You really have to know what you're looking for and what matters to you and your values because um, everyone will have things that work for them and work and don't. But ultimately, it is petroleum. That was Paige Paget. Paige wears a lot of hats. She is a Hollywood makeup artist. She's also a green beauty expert. She's the author of The Green Beauty Rules. That's a book all about toxic-free makeup. And she's the creator of the soon-to-be-launched Earthling makeup brand. I met Paige a few years ago when we were working together at a co-working space, and we bonded automatically over our vegetarian diets and our just general view of the world. It felt like every time Paige said something, I said, yes, I agree. And every time I said something, it seemed like she was agreeing to. I think we just kind of operate on the same wavelength. Um, at the time, I was just beginning to question my makeup and my skincare, and I really couldn't figure out what was actually safe. It seemed like different products were telling me they were safe, but then I'd look up the ingredients on the back, and maybe that wasn't the case, and it just it wasn't an easy thing to navigate. Uh, I was always fascinated by how much Paige knew. I would mention, you know, one of these brands that I was thinking about to her, and she would quickly say, yay or nay, and she'd tell me why. She knows way more than the average Joe about everything that has to do with makeup and skincare. Uh, when I bought her book, the changeover of my makeup drawer started going a lot faster at that point. I started passing her book around to all of my friends and family, and we all were just so thankful to have such a great resource. Uh, Paige is one of the first people that I thought about inviting on the show. She's just so knowledgeable and so down to earth, and 
so kind, so helpful, and just very non-judgmental. She's just a really great person. I knew that she would teach us all a ton just by talking, as she always does. So I hope you learned something new today. Let's start by going back and talking about Little Paige for a minute, because I I love to hear... Um, I love to just ask about stories and I love to hear kind of when was your first inkling of being interested in, let's start with makeup. So you, you know, you work as a Hollywood makeup artist now. Did you, were you into makeup when you were a little girl or did that come about later? It probably came about, um, I mean, I was as a teenager, not as a little girl, um, way too preoccupied trying to help my mom with my little brothers. Mm, yeah. Like, I wasn't very interested in anything else um, other than making sure that my little brothers were cared for and my little sister and that I was cared for. I had um, issues of keeping us safe. <laughs> mm. and, and so I really didn't think about, I mean, I mean, it's not that I didn't think about it, but I just, and we were so poor. Um, my mom had five kids. It was really no husband. So we were really poor. So I didn't really think about a lot. And at least I don't remember. I know that I did because I was a pretty average kid in many ways. But I had a lot of uh, adult problems on my mind. Um, but I do remember a couple um, moments where I knew I was interested um, in beauty. Um, my mom was beautiful. I mean, breathtakingly, stunningly beautiful. Like Morgan Fairchild, Farrah Fawcett. Mm beautiful, blonde, blue eyed. But my, my, my moments of realizing that I liked beauty and that appreciating beauty is watching my mom put on makeup. Mm. She was so pretty. And I was like, God, you're so pretty mom. And, um, and she did her makeup very beautiful. She always, she coined the smoky eye, I swear. If she, if Instagram was around then, she would be slaying it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And um, so super smoky eye, pale lip. Um, and so that's when I realized like, wow, beauty is, is great. Like beauty can be very useful, um, just for the sake of being beautiful. So, so there was that, that moment and, um, and she always, she like, she was, um, a very good dancer and she would go disco dancing. She doesn't remember it, but I do. She had beautiful dresses, um, these flowy floral dresses and these macrame, um, beautiful high heels that, um, wrapped around the ankle. I mean, mm. with like a cork heel or, you know, mm. it, it, she was just beautiful. So that's when I really recognized beauty was with my mom. But I think that's common. Um, because I think little kids recognize beauty in their mom first, mm. I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, so with my mom later as a teenager, I poured over W I had really high end taste. Mm. And it was like Harper's Bazaar in town and country <laughs> as a <laughs> teenager and Vogue. I don't know where, you know, but I, that was me. I would love town and country and I loved um, W and Harper's Bazaar and Vogue. And I still like all those. Mm. Um, and so um, I recognize beauty, not only in um, people, but, architecture and landscape art you know I got um interested in beauty there 
And then as a teenager, um, I went to stay like early teens, like 13, 14, maybe even 12. I would spend summers with my aunt who was a hairstylist, very um, well-known uh, hairstylist in Central California, Fresno. But she did like the owner of 7-Up, very successful. Platform artist for Sebastian at the time, that was the number one product line. Um, and so I was exposed and when I'd go there, they had monitors around. It was so progressive. Um, and the owner, her name was Bonnie, was very progressive, um, very progressive. And she would have monitors of fashion shows playing, um, all the time. Oh, wow. And it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and so I would just watch these fashion shows and look at the avant-garde makeup. And then there was a makeup artist there that did makeup for clients and she would sometimes do very avant-garde stuff on herself and then me okay. and then I oh, that's started fun. yeah and then that's how I kind of got into makeup but I was oh. equally into hair like they were dyeing my hair purple or whatever like I would have colors done but I would sweep hair for the girls to make extra change okay and I, I had money over the summer they'd uh -huh. give me a couple bucks a day probably uh -huh. or a couple bucks when I swept up hair you know uh-huh um, and they were all making a ton of money because it was a high-end shop. And it was really fun. It was fun spending summers like that. Um, so that's how I became interested in makeup, really. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's actually really cool. It's so you, you know, just being young and being immersed in that environment, I think is probably pretty unique. And um, it's beautiful to hear you talk about your mom. You know, and yeah. just, just seeing her describing, you know, how beautiful she was, yeah. I think is just, it's, it's a uh, really special to hear, I guess. Yeah. It, yeah. I do feel nice thinking about how young I was and how much I admired her beauty and a lot of things. She has a great personality. She, she was a wonderful mom. And it's interesting. She had a California style of beauty, which I loved and still do. But like Sophia Loren and like Isabella Rossellini, I look up to like, they're so beautiful, but it's a different style of beauty and a different look. I mean, which thank God, I mean, you can, you know, um, Foxy Brown was beautiful. Like um, her character, like I love that Afro and, you know, like there's all kinds of beauty. I've always found every woman beautiful and every type of beauty beautiful, but I really admired my mom's ease. Even though she did do the smoky eye, she just looked easy breezy, even with that heavy eye makeup. It was sort mm -hmm. of like she didn't have anything else on her skin. So she just, there was something about her. She had an easy, it just looked, and she wore her hair very feathery. I don't know. There was just an ease of beauty about her, which I liked. It was very California to me. You know, there's, there's something to be said for that because I do think, like you said, every woman is beautiful. And a lot of times what we think can be beauty, which is the makeup or the hair, a lot of times beauty is actually the confidence and Absolutely. the, you know, like you said, the ease yeah. of just being yourself and showing up in the world as yourself yeah. is really beautiful, you know? It is. Yeah. I wrote about confidence in my book and people panned that section, which is such a bummer, but I just wanted something, you know, it was a section on being, you know, it's like tips of beauty tips. And part of it was really heavily focused on being confident, mm -hmm. um, which is so hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and confidence comes and goes depending mm -hmm. on what's going on in your life. So, um, but I agree with you wholeheartedly, which is why I wrote it. And I wish people would 
think about that more. But they are like, we want it. You're a makeup artist. Come on. We want to practice. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And it, it does. There is definitely something to putting on makeup and feeling beautiful. You know? Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, I put a little on for you, Brandy. Aw, <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I love it. I have to class it up a little for Brandy. You know, you you talk about this California look, but you always do have a very natural look that just always looks um, very beautiful. So Thank I think you. that um, there's there's something to be said to that for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you then moved on. Uh, how did you end up then in Hollywood doing makeup? Well, so the story continues. And then when I became 18, I graduated from high school moved to Palm Springs because I'm an aunt there and I just wanted to get out of Central Valley, really. And Palm Springs is so glamorous. And at the time, it was a really fun spring break, like really fun spring break until Sonny Bono came and ruined it for us all. Um, and I ended up working for him and Mary. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but so I was 18. Average age in Palm Springs was at the time 63 and still may be. Um, it's a bit younger now. But it's still quite a bit of an older crowd. And I had a um, cousin who lived in San Francisco who was a concert pianist and, um, and an aunt that lived there. And I was like, I'm going to go hang out with them. They're really cool. Mm -hmm. And he's dying of AIDS, unfortunately. And a lot of people in the 80s went there to die of AIDS because it's mm -hmm. like paradise and large population of gay men. And so, and gay women too, actually. Dinah Shore is mm -hmm. a big lesbian event. And so um, I moved there and I, my, one of my like second or third jobs was working for Palm Springs Life Magazine. I always wanted to be a journalist, uh, in journalism, a journalist. And, um, and so that's kind of how I started my journalistic career. But while I was at this magazine, because um, before this I did have a, a bit of a stint in journalism, mm -hmm. um, but while I was at this magazine, I, um, I, was, uh, I, I did some of their uh, makeup for some of their photo shoots. Okay did some hair and makeup because uh, okay. it's like one day their person was gone. I think I even did fa fashion. I styled it and everything. Oh, interesting. Uh -huh. But I was really good. Um, I was probably more interested probably at the time in styling, but um, the makeup is super natural and easy. And, um, and so, cause as a stylist, you have to have connections and I didn't have those connections, but the makeup was a shoe in. Mm. And, and then I started getting hired to do more makeup. But in the eighties, I was like late 80s, I was like, this isn't a career. No one makes a job like this. Plus, it's not a real job. It's makeup. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I want to do something really deeply meaningful. Mm. So I wanted to tell stories and let, you know, help people or, mm. you know, so um, I gave it up. And then it, of course I went back to it because I ended up in Hollywood. I came to LA to go to UCLA. Okay. Um, and to be a journalist, really. Okay. Um, okay. But then I graduated from, I was, had a journalism career even before I went to college. Mm -hmm. My last job was at KCAL 9 News. I was working in the newsroom. Okay. I was writing some news, doing some uh, PA work, like production assistant work, a little bit of everything, getting a reel together. And I put a great reel together there. Um, and I was getting really good feedback, but all of a sudden I hated it. I hated spot news. I hated putting a microphone in someone's face. Okay. It felt invasive. Okay. Um, and I was like, wow, I should have stayed in print journalism. Mm. I loved it. Mm. And mm. I liked writing. Um, I liked reporting in, in the written form more than the broadcast form. Um, you could use a larger vocabulary. They actually told me to dumb down my vocabulary. They're like, you have to write for a fourth grade audience for TV. And mm. um, for newspaper, you can write for a seventh grade audience. Okay. Um, 
and then it was just so much more sensational mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I noticed that <laughs> about news, you know. Yeah, even print can be, but and is, but it just and I was doing more environmental pieces. Actually I did entertainment, which I thought was so frivolous, but at least it's entertainment and it's called entertainment. You know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. You're That's covering true. entertainment. Yes. <laughs> you know, right. so it felt more legit as to taking something that really wanted I wanted to have be more of a news piece and it was super salacious or mm-hmm. slant, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I don't know. For me, I just wasn't enjoying it. And okay. when I graduated from college, I was like definitely more interested in holistic things and self-development. And I was like, oh, you know, I think I'll, I'll do skincare and, you know, just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was a, more of a practitioner. I had something called Hands on Hollywood for a while. It was more like a concierge service. Okay. I hire an acupuncturist or a skincare uh, person or a chiropractor or a massage therapist to come to set. Okay. Um, so I finally, when I found like green beauty, I was like, I love that. I love, I can really make a difference. Um, because as a makeup artist, I found, um, again, becoming bored myself becoming bored and not feeling like I'm making a big enough of a difference. So green, um, my, my passion of the environment transitioned my career to be a green makeup artist and that gave it new life. And, and gave me sustainability because I wouldn't have lasted. Yeah, for I mean, sure. It fun, but it wasn't going to feed my soul. Mm. This does. You know, yeah. Well, and I think there's a lot to be said for that, you know, because um, I've heard you say that a lot. Yeah, makeup's mm-hmm. fun and it is fun. Mm-hmm. But I know that you're extremely passionate about the environment and, you know, clean beauty, green beauty, both of those things have become very popular recently, much, much more well-known. But you were doing this a long time ago, and you were really one of the very first people, at least in Hollywood, and I think probably around the world, to kind of notice, oh, you know what? Like, this isn't the cleanest thing, um, beauty and makeup and skincare. And this really isn't, great for our bodies and it's also not great for the environment and so you really did find a place that I I feel like took off for you in this space of saying yeah uh, we mm-hmm. need to clean up skincare and beauty and you were able to do it in Hollywood you know for celebrities and for people on set and and really yeah. um, influence I think the change of that happening in the world. Yeah, definitely helped influence for sure. Um, Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't easy. And still people are attached, especially older people. Um, I mean, older, but like a little bit more mature, like 40s and over, like Gen X and over probably. Millennials and even more Gen Z are more interested in embracing it. Um, There was a study out recently um, uh, of um, whether women thought that um, traditional makeup lasted as long or was as effective performed as high it was as high Mm. performance Mm -hmm. and um like 80 percent or something really high it could have been 60 or 70 percent of gen z was like performs just as good or better and it was as as people got older millennials were like uh 50 percent maybe and then it was like gen z is like 40 percent boomers were like 20 percent you know it as as the Mm -hmm. generations got older they thought it was less effective Mm. or not as high performing if it were natural or something. So 
it's a generation. Thank God it's a mindset and it's people are starting to change. So that's mm-hmm. good. Um, but I, yeah, I identified it early on and, but I didn't come to it through health reasons. I came through it. Um, and thank God, um, because a lot of people do come with health reasons and become clean with their beauty routines, but there's a macro and a micro. And I always talk about that. And, um, I applied for, to be a board member. This is a side note you can run or not, um, for uh, green spa network. Cause I used to work at Burke Williams, a spa and I loved it. It was really fun. I did massage, wet room treatments, body scrubs, dry wraps, everything. Um, as well as skincare, like oxygen facials, waxing. I did it all as a, as a skincare professional. And I was a massage therapist, licensed massage therapist and did a lot of different modalities. So I was very holistic. Um, so they focus more on the environmental. It's Green Spa Network. And I was like, you know, that's how I came to Green Beauty. But mm-hmm. most people who come, especially because it's beauty, come from the other way around. Mm-hmm. Like as a micro, um, is really focused on themselves and how, you know, how it's affecting them. Mm-hmm. Cosmetics, traditional cosmetics, or how Green Beauty can help them. And I came the other way around, like uh, looking at it from an environmental perspective, which is how they do. So there is both. There is both. Um, and someone like yourself who runs, um, a brand for, and then there's the animal aspect, which is Mm -hmm. to me an environmental aspect, but Mm -hmm. also there's animal rights issues. Mm -hmm. Um, green beauty, um, you know, there's clean beauty, green beauty, natural beauty. There's all these organic. I, I tend to say green or sustainable. Uh Um, I like, I, I, I purposely use the word green, um, even though it's terrible for CEO, um, SEO. (laughs) <laughs> I have to use clean too, but I still continue to use green because green encompasses the planet and clean doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what mm-hmm. most people think. Yeah. Or as I yep. think clean, I think it should be one term, but there's no one term. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing's regulated really. And that it should encompass the planet. I don't think mm-hmm. it's clean if it does not encompass mm-hmm. the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But something can be clean. Palm oil can be clean, but it's not sustainable. Um, so I still use the term green or sustainable, but mm. to me, it's inherently implied that it's also clean, but a lot of people don't know that. So I have to use both. That's frustrating, but it's, I think if you know me that it's implied, but if you don't know me, I have to use both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that those words are flying around everywhere right now because they are, they have become so popular and people are really starting to demand, I would say more so because of their own health, people are starting to demand cleaner products. But I also think more people, you know, like you and I are starting to want to do better for the environment too. And um, what would you say is a good product? So like a clean green product, I don't mean brands, but I just mean like, what, what would you say Mm -hmm. actually makes up, a product that you would recommend versus right. something you would not recommend? Well, it's easy to remember, but it's really hard to, it's actually not. There's one. Okay. I always tell everyone um, it's petroleum. If you can eliminate petroleum or petroleum byproduct or anything processed with petroleum, but that sounds so simple. It's really so hard, mm. but it's only hard in the beginning. And it's only hard when you don't, um, when you don't have your own, um, philosophy hashed okay. out. Okay. Um, because, uh, we talked before about everyone's different. Mm-hmm. So you might have a sensitivity to oxybismuth chloride. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, but I may not. And so, um, 
you know, every, it, it's just that you can't say like, um, oh, this, this one thing is, is not going to, it is bad for everyone mm -hmm. because, you know, if you're allergic to tea tree oil, then, you know, you can't, you, you know, you've really got to sort of get down what you value most because not one thing applies to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I'm a little stuck on that word, um, oxybismuth. It's oxybismuth. <laughs> it's not chloride. I don't know. But, but, it's but a if, big word. It's a big chemically word. Either it's way. not oxybismuth. I'm like, is it chloride or is it just oxybismuth? Oxybismuth. <laughs> but um, there's, to, to answer you, there's, be, until you have your philosophy down, you cannot really, um, you know, I can't really say this is, this is a good one product thing. or yeah. not. It's not a yeah. good product or not. You really have to know what you're looking for and what matters to you and your values. Um, Cause everyone will have things that work for them and work and don't, but ultimately it is petroleum. If you can eliminate petroleum, byproducts, petroleum, mineral oils, um, anything processed with petroleum and it's the F. Okay. I was going to say, how do we know if something's, does it say petroleum on there or not usually I'm it'll say mineral that. oil sometimes, okay. but it'll say F. E-T-H. Um, ethylene. Okay. Okay. So ethylene is usually what they take to process um, different other chemicals to, okay. uh, or uh, materials to get a certain uh, other material to use a certain ingredient to use rather. And so um, if it's got the prefix or suffix F, it's probably been processed. Um, so, but that doesn't mean, you know, um, at the same time that everything that's been processed is horrible, mm -hmm. but it's definitely, you know, about, about the petroleum because you, okay. you know, you can process a coconut, but if it's processed with petroleum, then it's, it's got, it's a petroleum byproduct and it will have some um, trait, if nothing else, trace ingredients, you know, some trace minerals from that. Um, okay. So you're, you're saying basically like um, if you see eth as an ingredient in something, then it, it means that it has been somewhat processed as petroleum. But the reality is that you kind of as yourself first need to understand what what is where what is your priority list and what's okay for you and what's not because f may be a deal breaker in something or maybe it would be okay is that what you're yeah, saying that's true um yes sometimes it probably would would be okay i mean if it was really at the bottom of the list okay. and depending on what the f was um okay. but you really have to know your ingredients to to know what those f are you know sometimes I still look up things and I remember looking up things that I've looked up 10 times I'm like oh I forgot because I've looked up 60 you know mm -hmm. chemicals in the past couple days or something I'm like oh that's what that is again mm -hmm. um but if you can avoid um so if you I have something called the three p's and honestly if you can eliminate fragrance um which I call perfume um hence the p but it's fragrance, perfume, parfum, however the, you know, French say parfum, but fragrance, um, parabens and petrochemicals. Okay. Um, but if you can hit the first two and then get some of those petrochemicals um, lower, um, there are some green brands that have a few petrochemicals, but they're the ones that are more benign and, 
you know, um, or things that have been processed with ethylene, they're probably more, you know, less harmful. And if it's at the very bottom, that might be okay. But really what I do is I look everything up on the EWG. Okay. You know, sometimes I can look at something and know, but sometimes I still have to look it up. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to um, hit on that because you talk about looking it up. And so there are some some apps and there's also Mm -hmm. places online that you can look up ingredients that you see on a product that you're interested in. And it will tell you, you know, how safe in general this, this ingredient is or isn't. And then overall, you know, how safe the product is so that you can make a decision for yourself about that. Right. So you're talking about the EWG that for people who don't know, you can go to Envire. I think if you just Google environmental working group, yeah, envir- sorry, environmental. That's true. They have a database with ingredients that are clean. Uh, excuse me, um, products that are clean, and you can um, look up a product. And if it's not in there, you can build your own report, which is in the top left right hand corner. Right. Um, so yeah, um, and they also have a seal EWG verified, which I would like to get for Earthling uh, eventually. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. A seal. So you could actually see that on the product. And if it's EWG verified, that would mean that it's what? Like good um, for the just, environment? Good clean? Yes. It will qual it just it's it's their stamp of approval, EWG. Um, and it's usually good for the environment and good for the person. Yeah. I mean good it definitely both. is not yeah, just okay. there's no question. It's probably one of the strictest okay. seals. Yeah, they're pretty um, they're pretty hardcore, I think. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. They're very clean. Let's say that. So in that moment of our interview, life happened and Paige got a phone call from her babysitter and she had to run and pick up her daughter. So we picked up our conversation the next day talking about uh, seals and how you can tell based on these different seals if a product is good or not. Head over to episode number four and that is part two of the conversation with Paige and we are going to pick up the conversation there. Thanks. As usual, if you enjoyed today's show, please consider hitting subscribe or rating or reviewing us or telling one of your friends anything that you can do helps tremendously. I will see you in episode number four. Bye.